0: Welcome to our podcast at Politics 365. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Uh, You are a ex-OFAC investigator, and now you're with a sanctions uh, compliance firm of Protivity. Uh, We wanted to talk with you about the uh, Iran sanctions and really a topic that's top of mind to a lot of our community, which is smart sanctions. So before we jumped into smart sanctions, tell me a little bit about yourself. How'd you end up? At OFAC, and what are you doing now with ProTivity?
1: Yes, thank you for having me. It's uh, you know, it's it's a pleasure to be here on this podcast. So a little bit about me: um, I was in, in government for about ten years, you know, State Department, Commerce, and I ended at Treasury, where I was a sanctions investigator, basically responding to conflicts around the world and helping, um, you know, uphold human rights and and democracy around the world. Um, so I'd be the one, along with other OFAC and State Department colleagues, that we would respond to conflicts. When you see uh, something on the news that hits, oh, there, you know, there's a coup or like a revolution. We're the ones that would run to the office, you know, uh, by the White House, and and try to form a solution and, and brief everyone and get everyone on the same page to find a smart sanctioned solution to help. People, right, and change the regime's behavior. So that's what you know. What I was doing in government, and now I'm uh, associate director at Pertivity, um in our financial crimes compliance practice, where I help um, banks and insurance firms and oil companies really understand sanctions these days and like navigate the sanctions world. And then, and if if needed, like I can help them connect with uh, the U.S. government and you know, the G7 partners as well to figure out what the rules are and kind of help them explain the rules.
0: Oh, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that background. Um, I think a lot of people are interested in sanctions because they feel that's the only foreign policy tool. But what I've been getting from the folks I talk to is that uh, sometimes those sanctions aren't as smart as we would like them to be. Uh, they're not as as uh, as surgically uh, accurate uh, that we would like them to be. So uh, tell us a little bit about how can the world transition to smart sanctions and really affect change the way we want to see it?
1: Yeah, so for, for smart sanctions, there's a few things we can do, right? We, you know, you have to target the right people, Um Usually, when a coup or revolution happens, and there's you know a human rights issue that sparks you know mass protests, and and unfortunately, innocent civilians get killed. Um, you know, I've seen probably a lot of these conflicts around the world. I'm not going to say well, which countries, but you know, a lot. You know, Iran, Western Hemisphere, Africa, and the way we really, you really make change is you have to figure out who is responsible for the human rights abuse. And that can go all the way up to the top of the government at hand. Uh, that could be the president, the vice president, senior advisors, their inner circle. And also unfortunately we see the military in the streets a lot, sometimes plain clothes or in uniform. So to kind of you know, have smart sanctions, it's important for people on the ground that are reporting on sanctions and on the human rights abuse and trying to get the U.S. government and the G7 partners to to take action, it's it's best to document these human rights abuses.
0: Right. So, you know, as we've seen kind of uh, in the news, a lot of innocent civilians are being targeted. Uh, I think uh, the consensus within even the Iranian-American community, when we talk about Iran, is that, um, uh, you know, the poor people, the workers are being impacted the most. Um, you know, I think that's really where we feel like we want to react and we want to have a accountable legal process uh, with human rights abuses, um, yeah. at least from this country, the US towards Iran. but uh, you know, uh, the sanctions just aren't getting us there, it seems like. So um, yeah. how do we avoid targeting civilians and and hold the regime more directly accountable? for the serious human rights abuses that we're seeing?
1: Yes. So like to stop the violence and human rights abuse, really you have to target the perpetrators of the violence and the regime members that are directing those regime officials or military officials to target the civilians. So go after. So the US government and the protesters really need to hone in on on targeting and, and identifying Who's responsible for the abuses, right? And then you have to to document all that, we can talk about that next. But documenting human rights abuses is very detailed. And we can get into that, I think, in this in this chat here.
0: Mm. You know that's actually a very important point because what the regime has done uh, by their brutality over the past few months has awakened something in the Iranian diaspora that I haven't seen uh, in 43 years. So when we talk about investigating the regime, I think we have a few million Iranians ab- abroad in the US and abroad yeah. who will drop everything to help investigate and bring these people to justice in their respective countries. That's great. Uh, as, That's great. as we've seen, you know, every parliament in the world, uh, it seems like right now, is speaking about Iran and making efforts to hold that regime accountable. Um, so, you know, uh, we we can talk about, you know, if you want, uh, how can the general public help with, uh, investigating individuals and how can we bring those people to justice?
1: Yeah. and, And you actually made an interesting point on Iran. Um, so I've been in the government for, for 10 years, you know, even when I was at commerce, the state department and treasury, Iran, you know, the sanctions were like, yeah. targeting a specific sector of what was going on right yeah. and if you read all the press releases from the state department and treasury things are changing the perspective is changing it right. seems like the world wants to help right right and there's an opportunity here I mean, we've seen revolutions and things all over the world recent the past couple of years and this could be you know iran could be another change um for the better right um So that's that's great. But yes, we can we can talk about the, uh, you know, how do I identify human rights abuse? Right. Right. So there are I'm seeing you know CNN and and you and I talk every day about what we're seeing and you're educating me on what's going on on the ground, which which is great. Thank you. Um, But to identify human rights abuse, you really need to identify who is calling the shot. Right. The regime officials um police officers military officials the guy that is in the corner of the building with a microphone or walkie-talkie in plain clothes that's not normal right who is he right let's identify him and it's also important to document the human rights abuse cases themselves right the victim so if you have Thousands of people, or a couple hundred people, or even one person that died. Right. It's important to gather a couple witness statements. Right. Um, go to the hospital, get the deficit certificate, make sure the government actually documents that if, you know the person died from a shooting or and when they died. Right. Because proving a human rights abuse is, is difficult. It's difficult. The standard for proving it's actually called a serious human rights abuse. Mm-hmm. To take. Um, take a sanctions act action. It's like a serious human rights abuse. You have to prove to a certain level that someone really was was hurt and in a violent way, and that it was a human rights abuse uh, case. So that's hard, right? So in my day at Treasury, I would I would scour journalist articles and video analysis and interviews from you know, NGOs and things like that and piece the puzzle together, even on one person would take, I would say, 10 documents to really prove, you know, this person walked into the, to the square protesting, right? And then they were shot. Then they went to the hospital. Then, unfortunately, they passed away. And now the family is really mad. And it actually, one person can can start a revolution, right? We've seen right. it, um, for example, in, in you know in in Central America. There was one 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 kid that got shot by a sniper, and that really changed that country forever. I think there's a, there's actually a statue down there um, after him. Uh, hmm. So you know, it, it's a, to wrap it up, document everything you can on the case of of each individual. And share that with NGOs like Human Rights Watch. You can share that with, you can share that information with us, and we can try to pra- pass it on to the US government, g seven sure. partners.
0: sure.
1: Um, and I think my best resource when I was figuring out human rights abuse would be um, the news, right? right? Like the New York Times does great work. Um, the century c four ads our local to DC. Um, human Rights Watch does an annual report on things and also the UN. The United Nations right. does a lot of work to track conflict. So.
0: so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the UN in a second, but I think that as difficult as the Iranian people have it in Iran, uh, not only are they the subject of brutality and human rights abuses and torture and rape and all kinds of atrocities, um, unfortunately, we also have to ask them to document the the their victimization, which is really hard. Really uh, hard yeah. Which is really hard. But but uh, you know, at least for, uh, as someone that obviously is very deeply connected to that community, um, I would you know hope and pray that they find the strength uh, and the resilience that they have demonstrated so clearly over the past forty three years, and then the past three months. Uh, to make an effort to the, do the best they can to document uh, mm-hmm. all of those abuses, get them to a point of authority. Uh, on that point of whether it's Human Rights Watch or the UN, I will say, honestly, there's a lot of skepticism over what are they able to do. Even UNICEF is getting a lot of criticism mm-hmm. with, from the community as to, you know, look, there are 63 kids so far as at this minute. Maybe there's been hundreds more that just haven't been documented, killed by the regime. Uh, One way or another, torture, you know, in jail or uh, in uh, random shootings that the regime does in the streets. Um, How I mean, what can these international organizations legally do within once they have every evidence in the book in front of them? What can they do?
1: So um, when you have evidence of human rights abuse, uh, there's human rights abuse documents all over the world right now sitting in people's computers, sitting on people's desks, and they're looking at it like, "What do I do with it?" Yeah. Right. So, what we can help you and I, yeah. and can help and the U.S. government and you know OFAC, Treasury, State Department, we can get those documents to the right people, right, right. So, so they can be reviewed and analyzed for action, right. So right. there's so much, so there's so much reporting, right, like right. news articles, interviews. Well, you have to get it to the right people. And um, I think uh, you and I know who to get it to.
0: Right, right. And
1: I think we're going uh, to I'll stop in one second. But uh, I think we're going to help. We're going to help people here and maybe some fact sheets we can make to right. help the community. Right. Um, you know, and maybe we'll have an email box or and it's not, somehow we need to gather the information and make change.
0: Right. Thank you. And and uh, I mean, you aptly pointed out that this isn't just a conversational podcast. This is a, you know, uh, a, a advocacy platform uh, to help the people of Iran and to hold the regime more accountable. Uh, I am many, many times blessed that I am joined with so many others around the world that are doing exactly mm-hmm. this in whatever capacity they can. You know, I see, you know, uh, single moms or young people online on social media, and everybody is doing and trying to do exactly what we just talked about. Uh, Hold the regime more accountable, be the voice of the Iranian people, uh, and help them to the extent that we can. So I feel very honored to be part of, with you and others, be part of a very global community, uh, which I think we're simply trying to make the world a better place by uh, freeing uh, the people of Iran Uh, and making sure the regime is held accountable, which is just, Mm -hmm. we've let them slip by for 43 years for far too long. Mm -hmm. Uh, So any, uh, apart from, of course, contacting us and Human Rights Watch, any other NGO that the community can and should contact and reach out, uh, any parting words about uh, really next steps, uh, anything else that you see in the future coming up for us?
1: Yes, um, I I think I do have a few points um, we've been talking about today. Um, So another one, that so there's a lot there's a whole circle of people that deal with with sanctions smart sanctions i'm going to call them right because sanctions are changing they're improving like even the treasury is make is analyzing the impact of sanctions right Right. and they have been for years um so i think you know the people that are involved are you know the white house right the state department um commerce and department treasury is the one that mostly issues a lot of the sanctions orders and NGOs. And one in particular that we, we talk about in our, uh, you know, our little chat that we have every day on Iran is uh, the Atlantic council. Right. Right. So you could, you could go to all those, um, all those agencies and people in charge and, 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 you know, the spokesperson or the person of contact, you know, that you see on the news, and you could ask them to take an urgent call for action, right? Right,
0: right. Um,
1: and I think we're seeing, um, so the press releases that I've reviewed recently from, from Treasury and and the G7, they're changing the script on Iran, right? They're, help, they're targeting people that are doing the human rights abuse, right? Mm-hmm. So the U.S. government is closely watching this revolution. Mm-hmm. And so is the G7 mm-hmm. to hold people accountable and... To hold the regime responsible, and I think if we all work together, the the most impact that we can have is to do joint actions mm-hmm. at once. So, you know, the U.S. government can do an action, and so can the G7, and so can Canada, mm-hmm. all at once. And that person that pulled the trigger on an innocent civilian is going to be shunned and uh, held accountable. Uh, held accountable.
0: Right. So there is a role to play, basically, what you're saying, uh, not only by the Iranian diaspora and the individuals uh, who can investigate, who can help with investigations, who can help the victim families uh, gather facts, like you say, on our computers, on our uh, however which way, social media, we can get it to uh, NGOs. But more importantly, uh, the government, the U.S. government, at least, along with G7, they're analyzing their Iran policy. They're looking at You know, how can they be helpful uh, and help hold the regime more accountable? Uh, And really, uh, you know, I think when we talk about smart sanctions, it's a process. It's not a Mm one-time event. It's a gradual, and sometimes I think people are frustrated with the pace of government. You know, Mm -hmm. the government doesn't turn on a dime. They don't, you know, they just don't uh, make reactionary decisions. I hope not. Uh, they, They have to analyze. They have to have evidence. They have to have facts. They have to move through a legal process. And then hopefully act uh in a way that is gradually more meaningful and direct yeah. uh, whereas right now when we talk about sanctions in general you could name a, a regime member and you know hope it sticks but what we're talking about here is the ngos and the community at large have a role to play in contributing uh to uh, the government's uh actions and moving towards smart sanctions uh, which is mm-hmm. an ongoing conversation we didn't we don't have to figure it out here today, but it's, I think yeah, it's it a very good time, move. Time, yeah. Yeah. It may yeah. take some time. Yeah. So it's yeah, all right. And,
1: uh, yeah. And I want to say, you know, so since I was at Treasury and Commerce, and there are some very dedicated people working on this 24-7, right? Oh, yeah. you think sanctions is not an eight-hour job. It's, right. Up here, it's 24-7, right? Right. And when I was at OFAC and I when, when new people came on, I would say, you know, if you run down the hallway, in your in your uh, your tennis shoes, you're now part of the team, right? Because there <laughs> right. there is yeah. people in government moving very fast to right. to get these things um, figured out. Like, what's the best way forward? Because we all care, right? right. So right. I think um, there that's are. That's good to know.
0: Ideas. Yeah, that's good to know. And I think thank you for clarifying. As an ex public servant myself, you know. Uh, a lot of people may not have a great uh, impression of public servants. Oh, they got a cushy job. They got, but but there are passionate, dedicated people, especially yeah. dealing with such a life altering, such an important mission. You know yeah. what they do and how they execute their job uh, will will impact lives directly yeah. uh, and hold, be able to hold uh, wrongdoers directly accountable. So. Thank you for uh, shedding some light on it. I will say just, you know, uh, one of the best ways, a little tip, uh, best ways to get an Iranian on your side is to pronounce Iran as Iran as
1: rather than Iran. But but that's not a big deal. Uh, you're going to you're going to help me yeah. <laughs> understand what's going on in the country. Right. Right. So, no, that, you know, thank every you. Day I'm going to learn. So that's right. So much.
0: No, that's such an important conversation in general, just whether you're currently in government. And I know various gov- departments of government from the White House, members of Congress, administration uh, are reaching out to the community and they're all trying to get smarter on Iran and the Iranian diaspora. And they're all asking, how can we be helpful? So this is a very important conversation that I hope obviously uh, continues on a much larger scale uh, with NGOs in Washington, DC, across the world uh, and with the Iranian diaspora uh, and with the administration so it can lead to smart sanctions as soon as possible, however long it takes. Part of smart sanctions yeah. isn't reaction, reactionary, but it's acting smartly uh, in, in a way that helps the community. It doesn't hurt them any more than the regime is already. So yeah. uh, Daniel Maloney, uh, ex-OFAC agent and now with ProTivity uh, sanctions expert, so thankful that you could find time to join us. We're going to keep talking. We're going to keep yeah. trying to help. Uh, get the community smart uh, about smart sanctions and uh, really continue to identify ways that they can help uh, the Iranian people uh, as they go on with their uh, very heroic uh, struggle in Iran for freedom. Thank you so much, Daniel Maloney. Thank you, sir. Thank you.